the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. morning. My name, if you don't know, is Megan. I am a member here at Belmont. And this morning it is my job, but more importantly, my joy to get to round off our series on Mary. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, we have been working our way through this amazing song, poem, declaration of truth, of worship, and of faith. I don't know about you, but when we started a few weeks ago, I was barely dipping my toe into all things festive. And now it feels like Christmas has exploded in all its glory. I wonder how that shapes how we think about what Mary has to say. Has entering into Advent given us space and time to consider the enormity of what we read? To consider the gravity of Jesus' coming? and to prepare ourselves for Christmas? Or if we're honest, does it feel like the opposite? Does it feel like this time of year just leaves us with crazy long to-do lists? A sense of running around from place to place? A rising sense of panic? Personally, I am four out of eight through Christmas performances. I have written no cards. I have bought next to no presents. I am definitely this morning not feeling the, oh yes, Advent, this time of calm and peace and still. That's not where I am this morning. And looking at the smiles on your faces, I don't think that's where a lot of you are this morning either. That's why I'd like to invite myself and invite you this morning into a really deep breath, into a time for some stillness and a time to be. As I walked to church this morning, it felt in the cold and the ice like the first time in about two weeks that I'd actually just slowed down. Now, that might have been mostly because I was worried I was going to fall over and deck it, but I think it's also useful And that's what I'd like this morning to be. A time to slow, to listen, and to be. To listen to some amazing words. And to listen to the God of which they speak. So I'm going to read us the whole of Mary's song as we start. We are in Luke 1. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. 
He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I hope that feels like a deep breath, like a, that's the space I want to be in. This morning, we are going to focus our attention and our time on the final two verses. But I think it's important that we hear them as the, the climax and the conclusion to all that has come before. As Mary turns her attention to the faithfulness and the certainty of God's promises, she does so in the knowledge of who God is and his character. Paul spoke to us about that two weeks ago. It is the Lord, God her saviour, the mighty one, of whom Mary can then say, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary's talking about a God she knows about and a God who knows her. Similarly, it's the God whose actions she has seen, challenges she's received, as Saz talked about last week, who she can say has helped, has been merciful, and has kept his promises. So as we come to think about the promise that God keeps, I think it's actually more important that we come to think about the God who keeps the promise. To do that, we're going to think about three separate but very connected things this morning. Mary's song, God's song, and our song. With that in mind, I wonder what you think of when you think about singing. Is it for you a joyful activity? or something that, if you're honest, you dread? Is it to be confined to these four walls? Maybe just to the shower, just to the car? What is singing for you? Because I think it's interesting that song is where most Bible translations have landed when describing what Mary has to say. Because I think singing, or at least singing well requires two skills in equal measure. Yes, the ability to say, but also the ability to listen. And Mary shows us that she can do both. At the close of her song, Mary takes us on a journey back in time. A whistle stop kind of history lesson of the foundations of God's relationship with his people. If you like, it's the Old Testament in two sentences. And in a culture, in a time, in a religious practice where only a select few well-educated men were thought to have the, the knowledge, the access, the answers to much about religion and the things of God... 
this young girl shows an incredible insight into what God has said, what God has done, and what God is like. With it comes an amazing ability to articulate those things. But I think her song is first and foremost shaped by what she has listened to and understood about God. Drew Jackson, in his book, God Speaks Through Wombs, puts it way better and way more coolly than I ever could. He says this. I mean, she can sing. She has a voice that can shatter shackles. Her tune is no soothing lullaby. It thunders down through the arena of time. Sing, Mary, sing. Like Fanny at the marches, like the high priestess of soul belting out her black gold, like Hannah breaking bows of mighty warriors, you better sing, Mary. Watch out. The sound of her voice will cast them down, way down. No doubt they will try to quiet you, soften you, make you into a domesticated maiden. But we're going to play this song. Go on, Mary. Bless our ears with your sonic theology. Lift us up with your melodic doctrine. Magnify, magnify. This voice is magnificent. That's better than any way that I could ever put it. But I think it says some important things. About the voice of Mary and what we need to tune into when we listen to her song. Mary only briefly steps center stage in the Bible story. And this bit of Luke always feels to me like one of her few moments where she clears her throat, takes a breath, and shares what she has to say. Even in one of the most life-changing, momentous times in her life, she speaks next to nothing about herself, but all about God. She speaks of a God who is engaged with his people, who cares, who's merciful, and who keeps his promises. As we touched on earlier, and as Ben and Jenny have spoken about, it's easy for us to get overwhelmed, overcommitted, over busy. If I'm honest, I feel over everything at the moment. But surely, Mary could have said the same too. There was so much going on. And yet, she stills the busyness, the racing thoughts, the activities that need to be achieved, and turns her attention to the promises that God has kept the hundreds, thousands of years that had seen God walk faithfully with his people and keep his promises. A matter of months after this moment, Mary will be at the center of the start to the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise when she gives birth to Jesus. Decades later, she will stand at the foot of the cross and watch her son die as it begins to reach its conclusion. 
But even before any of that, in the waiting period, in the preparation time, Mary is able to recall and to see and to say what God has already done. Now, it will depend slightly on the the depth of your knowledge, your memory of Genesis, how clear a picture you have of what Mary is reminding us of, the promises she's referring to. And whilst God does not sing a nine-verse clearly distilled song that we can write out and know, if only, instead, I think we can look to the Bible as a whole, to creation, to history, and see an interwoven tapestry of God's love song for his people. But I'd like to suggest that we can also turn our attention to the time that Mary retraces us back to, and the words that God spoke to Abraham as he called the people to be his own, as God's song this morning. It reads like this. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God's song. A song of a God who is relational, mindful, involved with his people. A song sung to a man who had no children that promises generations of descendants who will be the people of God. A song that promises new identity, freedom, and a relationship based on who God is, not what the people do. For Abraham and for Mary, to coin a very strange phrase, God's song is sung through babies. The long hoped for, given up on dream, and the not even thought of divine surprise. The almighty God of creation reveals himself in the fragility and the vulnerability of a baby. The first baby of the promise to Abraham and the baby who comes generations later in the same line. If you want the fun of getting your mouth around all the names that chart that journey through history, then over lunch, have a look at Matthew 1. It's a bit of a a tongue twister lunchtime challenge if you want it. But God's song looks forward to what will happen, tracing out the journey to come the faithfulness to come, the promises that will be kept. But Mary's song looks back, retracing the same steps, 
One traces forwards the faithfulness. The other retraces backwards. Both show the same thing. The God who sings. The God who keeps his promises. The God who comes as the child of Mary is faithful. God promised Abraham a son. He promised to be with his people. He promised kings. He promised an everlasting covenant. God sang of all that he would do. And Mary sings and says, yes. That is what happened. Abraham had Isaac. God never left his people. There were many, many kings. Some went better than others. And now God is coming into the world as the next part of his everlasting covenant. As Mary steps into the next stage of her life, which will be forever changed by the coming of Jesus. She is already giving worship and praise for the faithfulness of God that she has seen. The promises that she knows have been kept. Mary's song speaks of what she has heard and known about the Lord. God's song speaks of who he is and his love for his people. So what about our song? It's the season of Spotify wrapped and Apple Music replayed. Don't worry, I'm not going to single you out and ask what was on your playlist. There is way too much musical theatre on mine for me to start down that road. But I wonder what the more metaphorical song or playlist of our year would be. What are its highlights, its most played moments? What's the track that just kept going over and over again. Because if we come back to the idea that singing well requires both saying and listening in equal measure, does my life sing a song that, like Mary's, is based on listening to the Lord, knowing his word and knowing him? Does all that I say flow from what I am listening to from God? What about you? That's why the rest of this Advent, my challenge to myself and my challenge to you if you want it, is to retune the song. I am under no illusion that come Monday morning, the busyness, the rush, the craziness are not going to vanish. They are still going to be there. But I think the challenge is to bring ourselves back time and time again to those moments of still and quiet. To the still, small baby that we are waiting for 
as we count down to Christmas. I think even in the midst of the craziness, there is opportunities for us to tune our song so that we can join with Mary and retrace the faithfulness of our God. Retrace the faithfulness of the God who keeps his promises. But I also think that we can retune our song to sing in tune with God's song, to trace forwards the coming promises, the promises that God will come again, that we also sit and wait for this Christmas. I'm aware that there will be people in this room who are sat there thinking, that's great but I'm not sure I believe anything that we have talked about this morning. That's okay. But can I encourage you to keep listening to the different songs that speak of the faithfulness of God? You will find plenty in the Bible. You will find plenty in this room. And we'd love to share them with you as you consider what they might mean. But whilst you do that, I would also still encourage you to think about what your song is. Because whoever we are, wherever we come from, whatever we believe, our lives say something. We spend our lives listening to something. Our lives sing of something. What is that for you? We're going to come to communion in a moment. And I'd love that to be a time where we hold those three things together. Where we hold the song of Mary that retraced back through thousands of years of history and said, yes, this God is faithful. Let me show you how. Let me show you the promises that he has kept. And as we sit with the God who traces forward and says, this is who I am, and here are my coming promises. You are my people, and I have never left. I am coming again. And as we come to the communion table, we also hold the last song. What is our song in response to those?